0: Welcome to One Dive at a Time, the official podcast of Neptune Warrior. Healing heroes, one dive at a time. Hey, this is Rob with Neptune Warrior. Make sure you check us out on the website at NeptuneWarrior.org, ScubaRob.org, you can find us out on Instagram. If Ryan quits bumping my table here,
1: <laughs> that's oh.
0: what I did. Last podcast, I'm like, you know, dude, chill. It sounds like a sounds like a fistfight in here. Uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram at scuba monk rob scuba ro- wait scuba rob monk scuba monk dot com or no scuba monk rob on Instagram. Oh man, you guys have got me all. I scuba. think you're nerked. I, I'm surface it's, it's smart. It's surface marked Is what it is.
2: You need to go get some O2. Bring that. Yeah,
0: I yeah, I've got a I've got a decompressor or something. It's, it's really really bad. Hey, a couple of podcasts ago, I talked about grounding techniques and how we use it in Neptune. I thought it'd be fun to revisit that with a couple of our divers who do use us as a way to de-stress. And of course, you know, we'll talk about you know, predominantly the breathing techniques. Uh, maybe not go so much into grounding statements or into when we talked about smells, but I want to talk to them about how they use diving to lower cortisol levels, which is what causes stress. I know that Sarah has had to deal with school and supervisors and, and all kinds of stuff. We won't mention where she works at. And then, of course, you know, you know Ryan being a veteran, always those cortisol levels can get you know, quickly, can quickly spike. By the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but, you know, when you stress out or, or cortisol levels go up, it can take as little as four hours for them to metabolize. And up to, right now there's some research that's saying up to three to four days for the cortisol it. levels to come back down. Of course, yeah. you know there's so many, so many negative effects other than just getting stressed out uh, that cortisol can cause, it can actually cause some long-term uh, some long, long-term effects. We first started finding out that people could really relax to an incredible level when diving. We had a diver that because he dealt with what's called the wobbles and that's because of the, there, there's an issue that goes on with the, uh, you know, the, it's a vestibular defect and it takes place inside the ears. He happened to be involved in an ambush which, which really kind of up his equilibrium. And he felt like he was perpetually falling. The only time that he didn't feel like he was falling is when he was in water. And so he would come in uh, just about every dive session that we held in the pool, and even when it time for him uh, it, at some of our other venues, so he could come in and just sleep at the bottom of the pool. And I got two divers that I know for a fact, uh, actually three if you count me, have slept underwater (laughs) uh, as part of a relaxation routine. So I've got Sarah uh, who is a dive master and and she's BA diver number three. And I've got Ryan who just got his master scuba diver who is BA diver number four. It's kind of cool to have those labels down, right? Because right. you're talking to, you know. <laughs> Numero Uno, El Numero Padre. Udo, El Padre, the <laughs> Numero Uno here. Uh, but I want to talk to them about how they use diving as a way of relaxation. So guys, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So Sarah, let's start out with you. Let's, let's talk about some of the experiences that you've had.
1: Um So to start out with, um, I started diving with Neptune um, when I was still going to Boise State, and we do Our Friday night dives at the uh, pool on there on campus, and that was my that was my relaxing time for the week. Um, Prior to that, I I would always set aside Friday evenings to not do any schoolwork, no studying, no homework, no thinking about school, nothing. Um, It was only when I was really bogged down with stuff that I would maybe bring something to to do. Um, but Friday nights were Neptune night. Friday nights were diving. And so um, I remember, I think it was one of the finals weeks. It was probably at the end of the fall semester. Um, I got to the pool and got all my gear out. And I said, I'm really exhausted. Hey, John, who was there as well, um, can you just check my air ever so often every few minutes? And he's like, he looked at me with this strange, confused look. He's like, shouldn't you be checking your own air? I said, yes, but I'd like to see if I can fall asleep. Because I'm exhausted. I'm halfway through finals and I know at this point studying's not going to help anymore. So, he's like, okay, I I can do that. And... So I got in the deep, got down into the deep end and just kind of went limp and still floating, still vertical for some reason. I don't know why I didn't just lay lay down, but I was out within five minutes. Excellent. And it was it was one of the best naps I've ever taken. I, I take even just
0: 10 or 15 minute nap underwater. Mm-hmm. And people are always asking, well, do you have to have a full face mask on? I've never, I've never purposely put a full face mask on just to go take a nap. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you dive enough that regulator just kind of stays in. Of course, if it falls out, you're going to wake up anyway. Right, right. Kind of rudely. You know, you you know we, you know cortisol is actually a good drug for us when it's used at the appropriate time. Uh, You know, it actually sits back there with adrenaline over in the left kidney. And it's, it's a great drug, like if you are facing, you know, like if you're out in Boise National Forest and you come face to face, you know, with some kind of danger, cortisol is what helps get you out of that. What triggers that fight or flight response? It's, that, it's part of that fight. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know,
2: fight or flight.
0: Fight or flight. Man, it's been a long day talking. <laughs> fight or flight. And so it does serve its purpose. The problem is, is that in our daily lives, we tend to build it up it stays with us and there's no release that goes along with that so it's just back in that left kidney and then when stress comes up the amygdala is fired and we go into fight-or-flight it you know adrenaline burns off fairly quickly but cortisol sticks around and it can cause you know bad diet obesity premature baldness heart disease all, all that kind of stuff so taking those naps underwater really does help to reduce it you don't mm-hmm. have the you know you've got uh, you literally don't have the weight of the world on your shoulders at that point because you're kind of mm-hmm. you know you're neutrally buoyant or semi semi-negatively buoyant what were some other things that you found uh whether it's through taking naps or just doing relaxation techniques underwater
1: um i've found that particularly in the last couple of years um with the stresses of working, Um, if I go out to Lucky Peak or Quinn's Pond, um, I can just take a, a, I can talk to my buddy ahead of time and say, hey, let's just go out and go look at stuff. Let's just take it easy. Don't go too deep. Just go out there and just dive. Um, And that's, that's really relaxing to me. Um, Because you're not looking for something specific. You're not worried about doing a skill um, you're not worried about doing an experiment or anything. You can just go out, look at interesting rocks, look at the fish. There's no one asking you what your pro- how your projects are going or why you haven't done this this thing that would happened before you even got the job or or things like that. I, I hear
0: a little bit of Sarah's day coming out <laughs> in this conversation right now. Um, you need to go diving tonight, don't you?
1: Yeah, I mean. I actually told some of the, most of the people I work with know that I'm a, a pretty avid diver. And so they know that if I have a bad day, I go find water, whether it's open water or in a pool.
0: Have you tried diving in the morning before you go to work just to kind of lower those levels?
1: I haven't, but that's an interesting idea. I'll tell you what,
0: when I, you know, when everybody was back on campus and during the summertime, of course, we get some very early mornings here where the sun is up. I can hit the water just as the sun is starting to peak over and go do a 20-minute dive and then be back at work in time to start the day, and man, my day starts out so, so good. And even now, with working from home, I can go out and hit Quinn's Pond in the morning very quickly, you know, like, a, again, a 20-minute dive. Mm-hmm. Even now, it's wintertime, mm-hmm. uh, you know, go hit a 20-minute dive and just set your day off. I mean, what what is it, uh, the best thing about waking up is uh, Quinn's Pond in your cup. <laughs>
2: I wouldn't recommend you drinking the water out of Quinn's. No, no. You know, we've actually talked about Quinn's
0: a lot. I guess I should include Lucky Peak on that, but Quinn's is the closest one to have uh, that I have for me. Ryan, as a veteran who has to walk the path, uh, you know, sometimes associated with PTSD, anxiety.
2: Traumatic cr- brain injuries. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, you, have, you have chronic back pain, mm-hmm. things like that. Getting, I know that you have fallen asleep in the water before.
2: My first time with that was actually just, you know just trying to you know get into that zen state and for me it was just you know seeing if i could actually get there the other thing i also deal with is tinnitus on a daily basis so it's never fully truly quiet underwater there's always still that basically sounds like an ekg flatlining all day every day um but just getting to that relaxed state of mind i think there's one day as one of your sunday dives i fell asleep for a full 45 almost 50 minutes before somebody else you know came over you know, kind of tapped me wondering what the hell I was doing, just floating it you know 12 feet of water and with zero movement. Um, and I had no clue even at that point that I'd even fallen asleep,
0: right? It's not a time to be in water with brand new minted rescue divers because before you know it, you're getting your weight stripped off you, no, and shot to the
2: surface. <laughs> thankfully, I told enough people ahead of time that that was yeah. my plan on what I was trying to do, right? So you know, it wasn't, it wasn't full contact scoop at that point, thankfully. Um, but and even uh, a lot of diving that I did this summer was—you know—I was out at the lake almost every day, even when it was one hundred five, one hundred ten degrees out. Uh, you know, just getting, um, just getting into the water was a stress relief in and of itself.
1: And I another another way that I've found um, that diving helps lower my stress is that whenever I'm helping with a class. There's, no, there's not any real time or brain power to think about work or other things in life. You have to focus on those students. And right. so, you get into class, you get these people in the water, and they're asking you questions, they're staring at you. You, you have to be there for them and not stuck in your own head. Right. And so, when you're, when you're helping or teaching a class, that's what's going on. You can block out everything else right. for that period of time. And that, that that makes me look forward to classes more and more.
0: Excellent. I, I don't remember the piece of research that I read. In fact, I read it this morning that talks about having hyper-focus when underwater is... It, uh, it, it allows the uh, a drop in, in levels of anxiety. So, you know, you could be experiencing... Part of that as well, mm-hmm. and that was something that we've done in Neptune from day one, is having hyper focus on a task such as balancing a golf ball on the backside of a spoon, and doing, you know, doing puzzles or, you know, trying to trying to do problem solving and things like that. What are some differences that you notice in yourself after a dive? So let's say you've had a very stressful day, things aren't going well at work. Uh, things are going well, you know, you're, you're, you know, you, you miss a bill or, you know, or you've gotten some kind of bad news or you just had somebody in your face all day. What are some differences and, and what are some things that you do specifically on a dive to help yourself relax so that when you leave the dive site and get back, get back home, that things are different?
2: Make sure... One, if you're going if if you're looking to relieve that kind of stress or anxiety, um, you know like Sarah was saying earlier, don't make it a working dive. Just go out there and dive for the sake of diving. Um, it's you know if you're focused on one thing and you're looking to relieve that stress, you're not going to do yourself any favor by going out and you know working on projects for master diver or working on projects for rescue diver. um you're really not doing yourself a favor by refocusing your stress from one aspect to another
1: i think i've found that more of the the physical part of diving is what helps relax me Um, as ryan calls the thousand steps down to lucky peak at barclay bay at the end of your dive you're already starting to get a little tired and then you've got the truck back up to the parking lot.
2: With all that With weight. <laughs> all of that weight. <laughs> which often can be 60 to 80 pounds, depending on what you dive, you know, your mm-hmm. wetsuit, how much lead, whether you're diving steel or aluminum, ponies, dry suit, insulation, it can really add. Yeah, which take, a, which a lot of people don't realize exactly like, how gear-intensive scuba diving really is.
0: Your take alone is 30, 35 pounds, uh, mm-hmm. plus right. if you're diving steels.
1: And so the, the fatigue from getting ready for your dive doing the actual dive and then getting back to your your car that physical effort provides just enough exhaustion that when i get home can take a nice shower get something to eat and just crash, crash. there's nothing And like i don't have sleeping. to worry about anything
0: yeah there's nothing like hitting the rack after uh, you know our dives at Lucky Peak, especially in the summertime, mm-hmm. because we've dealt with heat, we've dealt with cold, mm-hmm. we've dealt with exertion going down and back up, mm-hmm. and then we've had the social aspect where we kind of, you know, kind of de-stress a little bit after that. Man, I hit the rack, I am out, mm-hmm. I'm absolutely out.
2: Especially when when you know you've got cl- you had classes out there earlier this year, and when you've had you know multiple dives a day, even down at Wendover, when you can do you know five, six, even seven dives in a day. You know, just to burn yourself out. Yeah, when you hit that rack, you're you're out for the count.
0: I know. I know when I run classes, I really don't even like going. I know sometimes we'll go to the casino to eat just because mm-hmm. it's social. But I really like those nights that we hang out in John's room, <laughs> or or my room, or wherever, and we and we
2: kind of AAR the whole thing. Yeah,
0: we cook our own food, save a ton of money by doing that. Which mm-hmm. I'm going to do another podcast on that. But it, then you go and hit the rack, and then you're out. And you're out for the night one of the things i would encourage you sarah is to make sure that you're not only going out when classes are going out you've got to find some time to go get you time on a dive
1: yeah yeah
0: where there's not work that's involved do either one of you do anything like purposely meditate or purposely uh you know i know that you pray a lot sarah is there any, do you do any of that those exercises underwater
1: um, i don't think i really do that underwater um but a couple of the other things that I do above water, um, that I've found that help is drinking peppermint lattes and listening to the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Oh really? If I could do but, that underwater, do that would be music. even So I That have, would be even better. That would be even I have better. an iPod
0: that will actually go down <laughs> to about fifteen feet of water and I've used that for meditation before. I'll I'll pull it with, with meditation tunes. I hadn't
1: thought about I might have to borrow I might have to borrow yeah, that
0: but yeah it's not not that's
2: actually way. an interesting point that you bring up because I know you've seen me do it multiple times uh, especially when we had time at the Y's, I would physically you know take my mask off on purpose which is you know not a normal thing and I would just do lap after lap after lap following the um, the tactile feel of yes. the uh, the tiles underneath and I know one of your requirements is a you know 100 yards or 100 meters underwater I think at this point I've logged a mile maybe a mile and a half um, and that's, you know, 25 yards at a pop, that's you know, it's a, a lap or two. Right, um, especially, that was,
0: especially when you do it for like an hour and a half to two hours straight.
2: And, you know, still only burn 500 pounds of air. Right. Um, that was one of my biggest meditative techniques which is get down there. And, you know, people thankfully knew what I was doing. So they didn't just see, you know, somebody blundering around with no mask, you know, trying to feel on a straight line for 25 yards of tile. Um, <laughs> or thankfully not run into the side of the pool either. Um, but so, and that also really helped into getting into, um, you know, just being used to having your mask off. So you, if you were in a situation where, you know, get too close to a diver or something happens and you do take your you know, get your mask knocked off. Um, you know, I had, you know, pl- at that point, plenty of experience in maskless diving. Um, and that, that's really helped. Right. Can't really do it in salt water. Um but it's, well, it does actually, help in school. Actually
0: yeah. the the skills, the well, skills do transfer over. <laughs> well, but you know the, the, the drill that you're talking about, we started using that for our divers with PTSD just so that they would be focused on something. They would have the mask off or mm-hmm. we'd use a blackout mask and that allowed them to trace those tiles. Uh, first we'd start them out in the square. They, they, they would trace the tiles around in the square mm-hmm. and then and just kind of move out from there. And it it, it is kind of almost like a, and and I know this gets overused a lot, but it it is very much a a calming or what's been deemed as like a a zen-like, you know, where, where you are in a meditative state and you're focused on just that one thing. Here's the cool thing, is when you get underwater, whether it is in Lucky Peak and you find, and here's one of the things I enjoy doing. I'll go out to the rock wall and take my mask off, secure it, Mm-hmm. And then I will trace that rock wall. And what happens is you are focused on just that. And what happens is I don't worry about relationship issues. I don't worry about job issues. I don't worry about bills or anything like that because I can't do anything about it anyway. Mm-hmm. And when I'm mm-hmm. down there, I'm focused on that. All that other stuff just kind of goes away. And that's a good carryover for when you do get back up to, you know, the real world or, you know, the, the, the dry world. Reality. Yeah. <laughs> the dry world. Well, it depends on what you think is your reality, right? I think, sure, this yeah. is all, yeah, I think the water is probably more of my reality than anything else. But it's like, okay, you know, if I was able to be calm in that situation with, you know, with my mask off at 30 feet of depth and focused on a rock wall, then why am I worried about it when I come back up? And it's it's a good way to carry that back over. And of course, you know, one of the things we always repeat is, you know, ninety percent of your problems you can resolve you as long as you've got air. Yeah. Well, it's really kind of the same way. And you know, for me, you know, I've dealt with a lot of depression, a lot of dark depression, been in a lot of deep places where, you know, emotionally, I, was, I mean, I was just not in a really good place. And it's carrying those lessons back over that has helped. So other thoughts.
1: Now now that I think about it a bit more, um, something that I really like to do is to just find a place, settle down in in the water, of course, and just watch the fish. Oh, yeah. I mean, every once in a while, if you get to a platform before the students or before anybody else at Wendover, you can kind of tip your head underneath one. You can see all these little bluegill and and smallmouth and largemouth bass just kind of float hanging out. hanging out and swimming around and and I think back to when I was a kid thinking that fishing was the greatest thing in the world and now I think I'm swimming with the fish this is freaking awesome <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I could see all the stuff that wasn't biting my yeah, ears yeah yeah uh, I, I enjoy in fact in the spring I'll go out and I'll find the, the bass beds out there mm-hmm. in Lucky Peak and watch it. It's crazy because you've got like thousands of, yeah. of little teeny tiny, you know, not even, I mean, just barely bigger than, uh, you know, pencil lead. Mm-hmm. And you have to look really, really hard for them, right? And and then when you find them, you'll notice that over the next couple of weeks that exponentially the fish grow bigger with as few fish that there are. So there's less fish, but they're all bigger now. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just the, the life cycle. And, you know, we're talking between podcasts earlier about, you know, you know, we're always careful not to disrupt coral. But one of the things we forget about is to not disrupt those bass bed areas. So I know that like when I've got students, I get them as far away as I can, you know, because I don't want them kicking the bass, you know, little baby bass out of, out of areas. But I've, I forgot about that, just watching mm-hmm. fish.
2: And a lot of that ties into your underwater naturalist course as well. Right. With, you know, observing and watching how big those fish get over a set period of time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of fun.
1: Something I noticed at Quinn's earlier this summer, I was taking a a student on a tour dive, and all of a sudden we see this giant school of bass go in front of us. And, I mean, there's probably two or three hundred fish. Wow! And I mean, it was clear enough that we could see them, and it caught me off guard because I had never seen something like that.
0: That's awesome.
1: And that it was really cool.
0: Wow! Yeah. That is cool. That is cool. Abby and I um, have not seen quite that quite that many, but we had uh, kokanies. Mm-hmm. You know, coconut fry come in and swirl around us. We're about sixty feet, and it just it it. It really, you know, it's great because you're out there and you're relaxing, and it's almost like an additional gift that, yeah. that you get. Um, one last thing, I'll, I'll leave you guys with this, and that is, I'd like to challenge you that when the water warms up a little bit, actually, you could do it now. I could you can do almost, it now. You can almost do the same effect, but if you go out to Quince and get out mm-hmm. to about 25 or 30 feet, of course, you've got a anywhere between a, a 12 and 18 inch layer of muck. <laughs> but if you go out there and you just shove your arms down into it close your eyes and just breathe. It's kind of freaky at first, but after about after about the first minute or two, it really becomes very relaxing. It's a very relaxing way, because you, you're, because I guess, just the compression on your arms and stuff just feels really, really good, at least for me. <laughs> and maybe I'm just the weird one, but. Uh, <laughs> know, I'll get kind of in a medicated state on that. Well guys, hey, thanks for joining in on this one. I thought this would be a really fun discussion to pick up off the other podcast about grounding techniques and I thought that'd be good to talk to people who've actually who've actually been out there doing it so it's a lot of fun all right make sure that you go out and check us out on IG Instagram see if I get it right this time it's scuba monk Rob Neptune Warrior Org. please follow the podcast please share we are so early in this the show's going to keep growing we're going to keep getting better and keep bringing on guests, and we could use all the support we can get. Don't forget that Neptune Warrior is a 501c3 nonprofit that serves veterans and first responders, and, you know, really anybody who supports veterans and first responders, we welcome them as well. So we hope that uh, at some point you can contact us or, or see, see us around. If you're local, come and check us out. And remember, as long as you've got air, you are all right.